All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the devastating news that Eddie Goldman is retiring and what the Falcons do next along their defensive line, as well as answering your listener questions, discussing the long-term outlook for the Falcons, stabilizing their quarterback position, as well as what needs to happen this season for the Falcons to sneak into the playoffs. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And we thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen Monday through Friday each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and on YouTube. If you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel, give us a like, hit that bell. You will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. So today thinking that it was going to be probably a bit of a slow news day, given that the Falcons rookies were going to report, but really nothing was going to happen. You know, we figured, you know, at least I figured Desmond Ritter would sign his contract. He's the one uh, unsigned Falcons uh, rookie from this draft class that hadn't signed yet. He did sign his contract officially on Tuesday. Uh, And so I figured, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? I have an opportunity to answer some listener questions, which we will get into on today's episode, but then the devastating news, right? That's why I'm wearing black, right? Because, uh, you know, not only is it my favorite color, shout out to Jerry Glanville, uh, but it's also, you know, to hide my, you know, feelings for the death of my dreams, of, of my hopes and dreams for the Falcons because Eddie Goldman retired. And it's, of course, especially devastating here on Lockdown Falcons because literally on yesterday's episode, Tuesday's uh, episode on the audio version, Monday night's episode on the video version, we talked about sort of questions surrounding Eddie Goldman's commitment to football and how basically that wasn't going to be that big a deal because the fact that he signed a contract with the Falcons for veteran minimum, all these various things waited at this point in the offseason would indicate that he's, you know, thought, contemplated, spent the last four months unsigned contemplating his NFL future. And so therefore had decided when he signed that contract on July 6th, that he wants to play football this year. But then now 13 days later, Eddie Goldman has decided that no, he's, he's good on playing football and there's no ill will towards Eddie Goldman for making that choice, but it's certainly disappointing because it was one of the few off season additions uh, made by this regime and in this team that at least me and my infinite negativity uh, thought was a good move. You know, behind Casey Hayward was arguably, at least I argued, the second most impactful veteran addition that the Falcons made this offseason. And now, you know, they're back to square one, trying to find that additional help uh, for Grady Jarrett along the defensive line. And that gets us into our first question in terms of how the Falcons can deal with that issue. And that comes from Troy Green at Uncle Troy G on Twitter. He asks, is uh, my thinking... Is my thinking correct? Uh, We just need a really big nose tackle that can take on double teams, not necessarily win the double team battle, but just take them on for our linebackers to run free and make plays. Uh, Anthony Rush is going to be tired after this season. And to a certain point, 
you're correct, but it's not just simply like, oh, all you got to do is eat space as a nose tackle. That's a part of the decision of the, the process of being a good nose tackle. But really the Falcons along their defensive line are facing two fold issue, right? They need another pass rusher uh, along, particularly along the interior next to Grady Jarrett. And you also need that nose tackle that can eat that space and plug the middle and, and keep those linebackers clean and really shore up what was one of the least worst run defenses in the league a year ago. And the beauty of Eddie Goldman, and, and one of the reasons why I was so high on this move, that if he could rebound and play like the player he was prior to COVID, that would eventually could potentially kill two birds with one stone, uh, given that there aren't that many quote unquote, three down nose tackles in the NFL guys that can play nose tackle, but also give you value as pass rushers uh, as well. Maybe when you look at the current landscape of available free agents, it's basically like Linville Joseph, uh, that's out there, but he's going to turn 34 in October. Uh, and so therefore, unlike Eddie Goldman, who's only going to be 28 this year, you know, Joseph, at best is really a one-year stopgap, right? Goldman, at least theoretically, would start as a one-year stopgap, but if he played well, you could sign him to a multi-year extension after this season with the newfound cap spaces the Falcons will have uh, next offseason, and he could wind up potentially, if he could have that sort of rebound season, you know, be your nose tackle for the next three or four years. Um, and so now you're at a situation, unless you're going to sign Linville Joseph, if you're looking for that type of player, that nose tackle uh, you probably won't get that in one player, right? You probably have to sign two players that one guy can give you that run stopping ability. And another guy is going to give you that pass rushing ability. And sort of, if you're looking at the run stoppers, Brandon Williams was kind of the other name that we threw out there for the last several months. If you've been listening to the podcast, Eddie Goldman uh, and Brandon Williams is sort of the two guys, given that they're familiar, this coaching staff and regime and front office is familiar with those guys. And generally speaking over the last two off seasons, they have generally signed and added players that they have some sort of familiarity with, as opposed to just random guys. And Brandon Williams obviously has that, Dean P's connection from his days in Baltimore. Danny Shelton's another guy uh, that you could also be a, a sort of a solid run defender. Uh, if you're looking for more of that pass rusher, that's not really going to challenge at the nose tackle position, but is going to be able to at least maybe compete with Taquan Graham or Marlon Davidson at that sort of opposite defensive end spot in their three-man front opposite Grady Jarrett. Uh, you could look at guys like Indomitian Sue. You could look at guys like Sheldon Ray Richardson or Malik Jackson that are going to bring that pass rushing juice, but they're not going to really help you at that nose tackle spot. And thus you're going to have to rely heavily on Anthony Rush, who I think is a solid backup uh, for the Falcons, but I, I don't see him as a long-term starter uh, or at least a, a, a effective starter. Like he can give you flash games here or there, which he showed last year. Uh, he had a couple of games, solid games, but for the most part was just kind of an average to below average starter. Uh, and so that's something that the Falcons will have to work on. So we'll see if the Falcons, you know, in the next week before veterans report to training camp next Tuesday, if the Falcons make another move along the defensive line, I know some of you guys are still hope, holding out hope that the Falcons are, are going to make an, another addition on the offensive line as well. So we'll see if moves are happening uh, in the next, you know, seven or so days before training camp, or the Falcons will just have to hope and wait that some player comes available in the middle of August or late August when cap, cap cuts and, and final cuts are, are being made. So uh, still a lot more work to do on the Falcons defensive line. We have some more Eddie Goldman adjacent questions to come as we continue today's Q and a slash mailbag episode, right? 
Eddie Goldman to me was the biggest X factor for the Falcons defense. So now we have a question coming up uh, where who's going to basically be that replacement for the biggest X factor for the Falcons defense this season, as well as on offense, as well as what exactly the Falcons need to show uh, this season in order to sneak into the playoffs. And we'll get into all of those questions as we continue today's Locked On Falcons, guys. Uh, but uh, I want to tell you about the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And that is, of course, betterline.net where you can find the latest odds, contests, player props, you name it. BetOnline has it all. Whether you want to bet on Major League Baseball, UFC, boxing, esports, Vegas casino games, you want to bet on NBA, NHL, NFL futures, right? You know, Eddie Goldman. I don't know the BetOnline had odds on Eddie Goldman being comeback player of the year, but now that your money is going away from Eddie Goldman, you may want to put it on Marcus Mariota. You may want to put uh, your money on uh, Drake London, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Arnold Lebichetti, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Arthur Smith, Coach of the Year. You always ha- already have the lines for week one uh, for the Falcons-Saints game. Uh, last I checked, the Saints were favored by five points, so maybe you're feeling great about the Falcons despite Eddie Goldman's retirement uh, You know, covering that spread. So head on over to the website to take advantage of all the trends in action. Better line where the game starts. So, guys, as we continue today's episode, before we get into the meat of the listener questions, I do want to remind you to go check out Locked On NFL so that you can hear the breakdown of the top 50 uh, movers and shakers, uh, according to Bet Online, uh, in, in terms of the guys that move uh, the point spreads the most, the top 50 NFL players. You can get that breakdown all week long, beginning on Monday with number 50, all the way going to Friday when we get to who's that number one uh, you know, spread mover, uh, with, according to Bet Online. You can find that analysis on your preferred podcast platform form on locked on NFL podcast. So our first question comes from never ending pain at Hughes Alfred on Twitter. He's he asks defensive roster as is would Carter Jalen Carter or will Anderson be your pick next year. And before Eddie Goldman retired today, I would have said will Anderson, but now let's switch it to Jalen Carter. And so, yes, we're continuing the trend of mentioning both of those guys on every single episode of Lockdown Falcons, and it will not stop, uh, <laughs> especially now. Um, Bug Doll 1.0 at Bug Doll 614 on Twitter asks, what is the biggest X factor on defense and offense, as in which player's rapid development or successful integration into the scheme is most important? In my opinion, Richie Grant to shore up the weakest defensive unit and whoever's playing center on the offense. Those are decent picks. My picks would have been, as I said, Eddie Goldman, uh, given the hope that he would sort of rebound and play like he did prior to sitting out uh, that COVID year. Uh, that would, you know, if he were able to do that, that would have a tremendous impact not only on Grady Jarrett, on the edge rushers, as well as the linebacker play. So you're really solidifying that front seven, potentially, if you can get that difference maker at that nose tackle position. But now that Eddie Goldman is no longer an option for me, I guess I will have to choose Arnold Ebiketti, and I'll, I'll still stick with the guys up front just because the way that the Falcons want to play defense, like, you know, with their zone centric scheme, I still feel like you, you need to get that pressure. You need to be able to get reliable pressure with four and, and Arnold Ebiketti to me is the one X factor. Like we kind of know what Lorenzo Carter is. We know kind of what Grady Jarrett is. We don't really know what Arnold Ebiketti quite is. We have lots of hopes for his potential, but whether or not he can hit the ground running uh, this season, I think would really uh, help the Falcons in a major way with how they want to play defense. I'm not as keen on naming safeties like Richie Grant and and, uh, Jalen Hawkins as those X factors, just because, um, you know, unless the Falcons are playing a lot more quarters coverage this year, which they may decide to wind up doing uh, and allowing those safeties to probably be a a little bit more aggressive playing downhill and, and, 
taking out those crossing routes uh, that you love to see, you know, I don't know if the safeties are going to be as impactful with how the Falcons want to play and, and particularly a player like Richie Grant, who, as I mentioned on a recent episode, talking about the safeties, like I imagine Richie Grant, like 60% of the time is going to be parked 20 plus yards downfield playing either single high or, you know, cover two defensive shells. And I don't know if that's really moving the needle um, for your defense as a whole. Uh, when it comes to the offense, you know, the X factor to me is probably one of the wide receivers, uh, most likely Drake London, uh, sort of hitting the ground running as a rookie, or uh, you know, there's a chance that Brian Edwards could kind of sort of overtake him if Drake London has the typical uh, rookie wide receiver sort of struggles integrating into the offense. Uh, you know, Brian Edwards is arguably the more proven and arguably the better fit at the X wide receiver spot in this offense and sort of could emerge as more of that AJ Brown light type of player that you need to be that more explosive playmaker opposite Kyle Pitts. And that reason for the explosiveness is where our sort of next question comes into. This comes from Eric at easy uh, debut debit. I don't know what the, I can't see that. Uh, assuming safety play is comparable to last year. Pressure rate can climb to the league average and O-line play improves. What are the chances we can compete for a playoff spot this upcoming season? So I think you mentioned the offensive line. That's kind of the key part because, you know, for me, if this team is going to legitimately make a run at the postseason, uh, they're going to have to be a lot more explosive offensively. They were like bottom five in the league in terms of generating those 20 plus yard plays. And if you look at the 14 playoff teams last year, 12 of those teams were in the top 15 in terms of explosive plays. And I've talked about this in previous episodes talking about how, you know, offensive output is linked to sort of explosiveness and offense wins championships. And I'll probably link to that on the card above, but you know, the two exceptions in last year's postseason were Pittsburgh and Tennessee and Tennessee was like a top five running team and Pittsburgh led the NFL in, in sacks on defense. And that kind of gets to really one of the reasons why I don't entertain the possibility uh, of the Falcons being a playoff team this year, as many as others do is because when I look at playoff teams, you got to be elite at something. Right. And by elite, I mean, usually ranking in the top five or so teams in the NFL. And I just don't know what the thing that the Falcons are going to be elite at. Like arguably their biggest strength of their roster is their cornerback room. But as I discussed on yesterday's episode, you know, there's a difference between having an elite man cover trio and having an elite zone cover trio. And for me, the latter, going back to something I said earlier about Arnold Abiketti, like you're still reliant on your front four to get pressure with four guys to really make that worthwhile in my humble opinion. Now, maybe I'm wrong in that assessment. Um, but you know, I think if you're expecting the Falcons to be elite at something, it's not just simply, Hey, we got three good corners, right? You know, so like your best bet to me is hoping that this offense basically is night and day different in terms of the explosive plays that they can gener uh, generate. And that a lot of that is dependent on the offensive line holding up. If you're an offense that's going to give up 50 or more sacks, which I think is probably a reasonably uh, safe bet that the Falcons offensive line is going to do without significant improvement from that unit this year. Um, it's going to be hard for this team to, consistently generate explosive plays because the quarterback's obviously not going to have a, a lot of time to throw. You can sit there and say, oh, Mariota's mobility is going to allow him to create some explosive plays down the field on some of these broken plays, which he is capable of doing. He showed that in Tennessee uh, and certainly is capable of doing it, but that's not reliable uh, for your offense week in and week out. We saw that with Michael Vick, like, you know, Vick 
could do those types of things uh, with his mobility and his arm strength to, to, to make those general explosive plays down the field. But without the sort of sta- stability that the Falcons had in those years with their running game, it wasn't something that the Falcons could consistently rely on week in and week out. So, um, you know, I ask you guys, like, what is the thing that you guys look at on this team that makes you believe that they're going to make the playoffs? What is that one thing that you think this team has the potential to be one of the five or seven, I guess, if you want to stretch it, uh, the definition of elite, you know, that they can be one of the top five to seven teams in the league at, um, you know, I know the NFC isn't particularly strong. Uh, so like getting a seven seed doesn't require you to be a, a super star team. So maybe the Falcons don't necessarily have to be elite at something. They just have to be pretty good at certain things to sort of sneak into the playoffs. But I'm just curious, you know, what is it the thing that you guys think this team will be able to hang their hat on is like, this is the one thing that we can do against, quality teams that's going to allow us to win the nine or 10 games that it's going to take uh, against this tough schedule um, to, to win games. And like, you know, maybe special teams is the one area of the roster that you would look at and say like, Oh, they had the potential to be elite with coup and pinion and the return game with Patterson and Williams and, and all that various stuff. But like, you can't ride an elite special teams to the postseason. Can you, I don't know. That that would be pretty incredible if the, the Falcons were able to pull that off, but uh, we'll, we'll see about that. And we still have some fun questions left. You know, who would play me in a biopic? Uh, which NFL uh, players have called me out on Twitter? And sort of looking long-term, mapping out the success for the Falcons over the next decade as an answer to the question of how do the Falcons stabilize their quarterback position? And you'll sort of get my sort of deeper, in-depth thoughts on sort of the direction of this team. And part of the reason why I'm not as sort of... um optimistic about their immediate future as maybe some other people are. And we'll get into that as we uh, continue today's uh, Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the Lockdown Sports Atlanta podcast family where you can find three shows hosted by four people. Mark Zeno hosting A to Z, uh, John Chakari hosting Hitting Hard, and Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste hosting ATL Day Ones, uh, breaking down not only all the storylines for local Atlanta and Georgia sports, but also national sports. Find them all on the same podcast feed, Locked On Sports Atlanta, on your preferred podcast feed. And if you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube, you'll also be able to check out the Locked On Braves postcast, breaking down every win, every loss for the Atlanta Braves uh, from here until they ultimately win the pennant. So, guys, our next question comes from Brandon Raj. Uh, Brand Raj on Twitter, Brandon Rogers at Brand Raj on Twitter. He says, what will fill Mercedes-Benz Stadium other than a college playoff game? I don't know, like a one-time only outcast reunion concert. Maybe that, that might do it. Uh, Jack at Cracker Jack 19 on Twitter asks, what is the best one-two food combo, food and drink combo in Mercedes-Benz after the reality sets in midway through every game that our stuff, he used a more colorful word, will get kicked in. Um, so, you know, I'd probably like grab 20 bucks, you know, spend some of that on the booze of your choice, beer, liquor, whatever. Uh, and then probably buy like five $2 hot dogs with the remainder, as many $2 hot dogs as I can with what's left over and treat your body just like the Falcons treat you poorly. Um, Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft on Twitter asks, with Freddie and Devontae now long removed from the picture, how's it feeling being Atlanta's beloved Freeman son? Yeah, you know it's going to be tough to to come up with these corny jokes on Twitter without other Freemans in Atlanta sports. So, you know, I'm going to be resting entirely on my laurels. So it's going to be a heavy burden for me moving forward. Kenny G at Gritsplis asks, 
Have you ever had a player chirp back at you for your criticism of them? Uh, yeah, uh, so I've been a couple of times. The first memorable time that I can remember uh, was like in 2014. I guess it had to be in 2014 because he went on the team after, too long after that uh, was Desmond Southward. And I think I tweeted like, oh, Desmond Southward didn't make the play and probably said something snarky like, of course he didn't. Uh, and then sort of after the game, he searched his name as NFL players I want to do. And he was like, I bet you never made a play ever in your life or whatever. So he got me back on that one. Uh, the next time I remember happening, you know, I was tweeting about <laughs> Donovan Smith sucking or something like that, you know, many years ago when he was with the Bucs. And, you know, he's gotten better in the years since. But for the first, like, three or so years of his NFL career, he was not very good. Left tackle. And I was like, oh, Donovan Smith's out there sucking. And he said some comment after, again, searching his name on Twitter, something about the weird shape of my head, which is fine. Like, you know, I have a weird shape head. But, like, okay, cool. Great one. Great comeback, Donovan. Um, so if you ever hear me, you know, sort of talking trash about Donovan Smith on the podcast, it stems from that. Like, he's my he's my nemesis or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, the third time it happened was actually last year um, where, like, when it was around October at – during the height of that time where everybody was like saying like, Oh, the Falcons are so less talented in 2021 than they were in 2020. And like, one of the things I said, like, is that really true? Uh, because like all the running backs that were on the Falcons roster in 2020, Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, and Edo Smith aren't in the league anymore. And I, I think I tweeted this like twice in like a two week span at the beginning of October and Edo Smith, of course, searching his name on Twitter was like, man, you know why you got to keep, you know, keep my name out your mouth or, or stuff like that. So it's happened a couple of times. I'm sure there's probably an, another couple of times that I've, I'm blanking on uh, where it's happened, but yeah, it's usually just because, you know, NFL players uh, search the name on Twitter and, you know, I've said some things. I, I know that's the reason why Harry Douglas and, and Bleedy Ray Wilson have me blocked. Although like, I don't remember what I said about Bleedy Ray Wilson, but it was probably just like, Oh, Bleedy Ray Wilson got blown. You got beaten in the coverage. And he was like, Oh, block or whatever the case may be harry douglas i definitely deserve because all throughout like 2014 i was just cracking harry douglas jokes 2013 and 2014 on twitter i was just like oh harry douglas is bad and he's garbage time stats and stat padding all these various things so i i deservedly was blocked by uh harry Douglas. most most people that have me blocked except for random falcon fans like i i, I usually earned it um let's go to mike at michael ritter's michael five ritter's question he says who's your favorite star wars character uh, if you know, if you want me to spend an hour complaining about something other than Falcons, uh, get me started on Star Wars. So I, I'll keep it short. Uh, Yoda. Yoda is my favorite character from Star Wars. You know, I recently watched Empire Strikes Back and, you know, Yoda doing his thing in that movie uh, is just great entertainment for me. Uh, you know, he's he's the best part of like I remember watching Last Jedi which I think is the best of the sequel trilogy. If you disagree, that's fine. You have bad movie taste, but that's fine. Um, you know, I was not feeling Last Jedi until Yoda, spoiler alert, showed up in the middle of that movie. And after that point, I was like, oh, this movie's better. And like, of course, Yoda came to save the only halfway decent sequel trilogy movie. Uh, you know, without him, I don't know if that movie turns out to be nearly as good um, as I think it is. But um uh, there you go. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys can jump in the comments and, and get your Star Wars takes off. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Mandalorian and, and Baby Yoda in the comments, uh, who I love in the first two seasons, but I'm kind of like over Baby Yoda. But I also know, you know, the cynical part of me knows that, like, they're not going to get rid of Baby Yoda because, like, they have to sell the merchandise. He, he he puts butts in the seats, even though his story is kind of done on that show. But we'll see how it plays out. We'll see what they have to do for season three. But anyway. 
we'll move on from Star Wars, get back to complaining about the Falcons. Or we'll answer Andy at Andy S. Gallagher's question. He asks, who would play Aaron Freeman in the Falk fans, the movie? Uh, they probably get the guy uh, that played Michael Orr in The Blind Side, uh, Quentin Aaron, I think is his name. Uh, or if they were looking for someone that has a little bit more box office draw, you know, maybe it would be a comedy starring Craig Robinson, although Craig Robinson is a little bit older than I am in real life. But I'm, I'm sure he can play about 10 years younger uh, or 13 years younger, I think is how much older he is. But um, we'll move on to Paul Taylor at Taylor Boyd 1977's question. Uh, he asks, hey, Aaron from Scotland. Part of me wanted to do it in a Scottish action, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it, Paul. Uh, what Falcons players, if any, can see, can you see making the all pro team? Love the podcast. Appreciate it, Paul. Um, you know, all pro, if we're specifying specifically all pro, not pro bowl, you know, all pro is typically like top three at your position league wide. So to me, it's really just kind of Kyle Pitts and AJ Terrell. Maybe you could put young way Kuhn in the conversation, but only if the Falcons offense does the things that we were talking about earlier and put up a lot more points this year, because you, you kind of need to kick a lot of field goals and kick a lot of extra points as a kicker score a lot of points. So maybe there's a chance that if the Falcons offense can be more effective, moving the ball down the field, but like in 2020, when Koo, uh led the NFL in points scored, they wind up settling for a, a ton of field goals. I think Koo kicked like 37 field goals that year. Uh, maybe you could see Koo uh, sort of reclaim that all pro status. Now, if we're talking pro bowl and basically that's like being top three or five in the NFC at your position, that's probably where Chris Lindstrom get into the conversation. Grady Jarrett, if he can go back to having sort of, um, you know, career high sack tolls, like his one AP all pro year uh, was his career high seven and a half sacks. I don't foresee him having that time of, of bounce back year, especially now in lieu of, of Eddie Goldman. I was like, previously I was like, he'll probably get like four or five sacks this year. And now it's like, okay, he might get back to two or three or whatever the case may be. Casey Hayward uh, is also in the Pro Bowl mix, uh, assuming that he can get a bunch of interceptions from all the throws that he's going to get, uh, you know, thrown at given teams will be avoiding uh, AJ Terrell. And, and maybe, you know, if he gets like seven or eight interceptions, you know, that's a way for him to get, on the all pro team. And then probably the other pro bowl caliber player is probably Cordero Patterson. If he can have a repeat and or build off of what he did last year, which is certainly possible. Uh, our last question comes from Marco at Marco in touch on Twitter. How do you think the quarterback position will stabilize? Be honest. Well, Marco, I'm always honest on this podcast. Sorry. Uh, you know, I'm sweating because I decided today not to turn on the AC and save a little bit of money. Uh, so, um, to answer your question, Marco, um, you know, I think the quarterback position will get stabilized when the Falcons fix the offensive line. Um, and I, I think without getting too, too deep into it, like Arthur Smith's offense is kind of predicated on controlling the line of scrimmage and running the football effectively, which then allows your quarterback to be a more effective game manager. Like this is not really an offense that's designed for the quarterback to kind of drop back 40, 50 times and, and sling it all over the yard. It's similar to what the 49ers do uh, and, and other teams do, which is like, you know, we just want to, you know, make the throws, but like we want to run the football. Um, and so when I'm being honest about the Falcons and the direction that they're moving in, and part of the reason why I'm not as sort of like, Hey, they're doing great um, is because like, I think the odds of the Falcons landing, the type of quarterback that can play outside of that sort of game management style of, of team that can, you know, drop back and throw the ball 40 plus times and you can win that way, which is typically a top five or top 10 type of quarterback. The odds are stacked against the Falcons finding that type of player in the near future. 
right? Like Desmond Ritter to me fits more of the game manager style of play in the same way that Alex Smith and Ryan Tannehill fit uh, that style of play. And sort of the chances that he can reach that type of ceiling in this league uh, dramatically increase if the Falcons can solidify their offensive line. Uh, And obviously you don't necessarily want to be in the position of drafting offensive linemen because it's going to take three to five years for those guys to develop and this coaching staff and and frankly Desmond Ritter doesn't have that type of timeline to wait another three years for the offensive line to get good so it's all likely that the Falcons are going to invest significant free agent dollars into their offensive line next much again uh, assuming that the Falcons offensive line doesn't you know have a night and day improvement this upcoming season which you know I think most people would agree is is probably unlikely not impossible but probably unlikely um and so the problem I have with next year's offensive line free agent class is it's not that good, right? Like if you're looking for a new left guard to upgrade Jalen Mayfield, like you look at Quentin Nelson and you're like, oh, we'll sign Quentin Nelson. But we all know there's a 0% chance that the Colts let him hit the market. Uh, then after him is probably Elton Jenkins, the next best left guard there. But there's a probably a, a 0.2% chance that the Packers let him walk in free agency. Uh, and so then after that, you're, you're kind of looking at, you know, a 30 year old West Schweitzer, or if you're trying to get someone who's a little bit younger and has a long-term outlook, uh, it's like David Edwards from the Rams or Dalton Reisner from the, the Broncos who are capable starters, but kind of closer to league average than necessarily high level players. Now, maybe they, either one of those guys takes a, a major step this year, uh, you know, are deserving of one of those big contracts, but like, you're not getting like a, a superstar left guard in free agency next year. Then you look at the other position that most of us want to upgrade, which is right tackle. Uh, and it's basically like Mike McGlinchey is the premier right tackle hitting the open market, uh, particularly at least under the age of 30. Um, and basically Mike McGlinchey is basically what, a good Caleb McGarry is right. A very inconsistent pass protector, but can be an elite run blocker. So take whatever you think is Caleb McGarry's best game. Like that's maybe what Mike McGlinchey is, which is an upgrade, but it's still not going to be like an elite player uh, in that regard. And then at center, the other questionable position along the Falcons offensive line, it's like Eric McCoy. And then not a whole lot else after them. And again, Eric McCoy is probably not hitting uh, the open market just because the Saints will find some way to create cap space and re-sign him to a multi-year contract because he's basically to them like, you know, Ryan Ramchek is there, Jake Matthews and Eric McCoy is there, Chris Lindstrom, and the rest of their offensive line is pretty meh, uh, you know, elsewhere. So th- they definitely don't want to let one of the few good offensive line starters that they have walk uh, unless they decide to utterly tear it down next offseason. Um and so obviously a lot can change over the next eight months when it comes to free agency. But right now it's it's not looking promising that the Falcons are going to be able to to sign one or more Alex Smith type of, you know, impact free agents that are going to really sort of change the trajectory of this offensive line in, in the short term. Uh, and that's part of the reason why, like, you hear me talk more about, you know, this defense, building up this defense, because, like, without Arthur Smith becoming a demonstrably better play caller, than what he has shown to date, like I kind of think your best case scenario, at least in the short term, near future, is kind of for the offense is basically being league average, uh, with an okay quarterback and an okay offensive line and an okay running game and decent weapons at at wide receiver. But like you're you're probably not going to be an elite offense, and um, you know that's fine. But like you know, you, I don't know if you're going to be a perennial playoff team with a league average offense. Um, and so therefore you kind of need the defense to do more of the heavy lifting. 
And it's kind of ironic given, you know, Ryan Pace's uh, presence, uh, but like kind of to me, the better case scenario for the Falcons, at least in the near term is, is kind of being like the Matt Nagy bears and Arthur Smith in this case is like Matt Nagy as a play caller or whatnot, just kind of middling and the bear success. The fact that the bears made the playoffs two, two times in four years was primarily driven by Vic Fangio running a, a great defense. I know one of those years it was Chuck Pagano. I think when they snuck in the playoffs at eight and eight uh, or whatever the case may be, but like, that's, that's really kind of what you're looking for. Um, and so the problem with building up your defense is defense is not really stable year to year in long term, right? That's the beauty of having a top quarterback is it gives you st- long-term stability on your, on your offense, right? You have the potential to be a top 10 offense, you know, any given year for not just like, three years, but like for 10 years or 15 years, like we saw with Matt Ryan, these last 14 years. Uh, And, you know, I explained previously on the podcast um, that like, you know, offense wins championships and primarily team success and making deep runs in the postseason is driven by having a high powered offense, not necessarily having a great defense. Uh, And generally speaking, they, even when you have a great decor like a Vic Fangio and, and great talent, you can only really play elite football uh, on defensive side of the ball for like two, maybe three years in a row. And then things like you look at the Steelers, right? The Steelers still have a good defense, but like they had an elite defense for like two years. And now it's like kind of like pretty good, but it's like not going to carry you to the postseason in in that major way. Um, And while, you know, I'm fully aware that, you know, profit is in my Twitter bio, I can't necessarily predict the future, but like if I'm making bets, right, that's essentially what we're doing when we're you know predicting the future. We're just like, okay, this is a decent bet that this will come true. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be a good bet that the Falcons are going to essentially be able in a short period of time this year, next year, uh, in the very near future, replace probably, you know, I would love to hear arguments against this, but arguably the two greatest offensive players in franchise history, basically at the drop of a hat, right? Like that's not a good bet to make. Um, and so for me, it's like, okay, well in the short term, let's just focus on, you know, building up this defense. Let's get an elite talent up front, like a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter tag team him with AJ Terrell. And that's for the next decade can be the foundation for us having a great defense, right? If, if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are as good as I think they have the capability of being, you know, on a Von Miller and Dominican Sue type of level uh, and be one of the elite players at their respective positions, along with AJ Terrell continue to be an elite player at his respective position. You know, that's a stable foundation for you to build a, a solid defense. Again, maybe that's not a defense that's number one or number three in the NFL every single year, but you're always going to be sort of like, at the very least, the middle of the pack. Um, if you can have that type of, you know, impact corner, impact pass rusher, and you can sort of fill in the blanks with other good players. And that's something that Ryan Pace, one of the few things that Ryan Pace did well in Chicago, which is finding those quality, those Eddie Jackson, Adrian Emos, Eddie Goldman type of players on day two and day three of those drafts. And so hopefully he can help you do that over the next couple of years that he's here in Atlanta to help out Terry Fontenot, uh, who has no history of doing those types of things. And that's going to be kind of the, the path that guides you for the next decade as you know, the last decade was an offensive driven team. This upcoming decade is going to be a defensive driven team. And hopefully that stabilizes and give you come makes you competitive. And so it's going to take a couple more years to get this offensive line fixed. Um, And then hopefully at some point you'll get the quarterback of your dreams that can really 
take you from being having a, a quality game manager like Desmond Ritter is likely to be or Marcus Mariota is likely to be to a guy that can really be one of those top five to ten players um, that can get you, you know, to finally redeem that Super Bowl loss. And, and that probably happens, I don't know, 2027, 2028 or something like that. That's kind of where my thought process is on the direction of this team. Um, and, and that's why you, you hear me talk so much about like uh, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. Cause it's just like, look, you know, I don't think they're, you know, my personal opinion is I don't think CJ Stroud or Bryce Young at this point in time, we'll see what happens this fall. All right. I didn't think Justin Fields was an elite quarterback going into his final year at Ohio state. So things can change, but like, I, I just don't think either one of those guys is a prospective top five, top 10 type of quarterback talent at this point in time in, in their development. Uh, and so, you know, I'm like, where are you going to find that guy? You know, maybe 2024, if you have another bad year, but if you have another bad year, you know, you're probably changing coaching staff. So it, it's just one of those situations where like, you know, for me, the path forward for the Falcons, you know, sort of stabilizing their quarterback situation is to build up the rest of the roster, build up this defense. Hopefully you'll figure out the offensive line sooner versus later. Um, and then in that situation, that quarterback, whoever that is, whether it's a Stroud, whether it's a Young, you know, can hand the ball off, play behind a good offensive line, throw to these weapons that we have with Pitts and, and London and whoever else, uh, and hopefully, you know, a defense that can support him and, and keep games relatively low scoring so that a quarterback doesn't have to throw the ball 40 times a game in order for the team to win. That's how you stabilize uh, the quarterback facility. So a, a long-winded answer to what is basically just build up the rest of the talent on the team, particularly on the defense side of the ball, where I think at least you have a shorter path to being great if certain things come true. If you basically have a top five pick and you you get one of these, you know, elite pass rushers uh next April. So we'll see. I, I hope that answers your question, um, Marco. Um, but like that's part of the reason why like I'm not as like, hey, Arthur Smith is is building it right. I'm like, maybe if you know if they tank this year and, and find one of these elite pass rushers, if they don't, then you know, I, I don't know how the how they're gonna climb out of this hole long term. So it'll it'll be on probably another coach. That's kind of, that's my honest opinion. It'll be on another coach in like two years to figure it out. Um, so we'll see if those predictions wind up going true. Um, and that will do it for us here on today's episode. Uh, guys, I appreciate you sending in your questions. Some of you sent in other questions uh, that I was not able to get to. We'll probably save those for potentially later in the week. If we don't have any other devastating Eddie Goldman retirement or adjacent news to discuss we'll get, try to get some guests on uh as well to give their thoughts on you know training camp starting early next week uh so that is the plan moving forward and i'm gonna go cry in the car uh over this eddie goldman thing so guys i appreciate it if you want to send in your questions for future q a's you can do so by hitting me up on twitter at lockdown falcons on facebook at lockdown falcons you can send an email to lockdown falcons at mail.com and of course, you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. Make sure you check out the top 50 on Lockdown NFL. Make sure you check out all the Lockdown Sports Atlanta podcasts, including Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Bulldogs. Uh, you know, find out what's going on with the All-Star break uh, during this uh, Lockdown Braves session. So uh, check that out, guys. Appreciate it. Till then.